Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture this morning is John's account of the resurrection. I'm reading from chapter 20, the first 18 verses. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around, saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. My friend Brett Younger was pastor in Texas for 22 years before coming to the School of Theology at McAfee, the Mercer School of Theology there, to teach preaching. That's where our friendship began and where I began to understand what a superb preacher Brett is. As you can imagine, During his eight years as a professor uh, at McAfee, uh, he was a very popular supply preacher and interim pastor in Atlanta throughout the southeast. 
But in the spring of 2009, in his first academic year, I, I went by his office to chat about something. I don't know what it was. But I found Brett to be in an unusual funk. Uh, Brett's usually the most fun guy in the room. But uncharacteristically, he was pretty down in the dumps. So I asked him what, what had him bothered. And he said, it's just occurred to me that nobody calls a supply preacher for Easter. This will be the first Sunday in 23 years, the first Easter Sunday I will not have stood in the pulpit. Well, any preacher understands why Brett was pouting. There's no place we would rather be on any Sunday rather than here, and especially Easter Sunday. Easter is our Super Bowl. Easter is the day when we pull out all the stops, when victory is declared, when the trumpets blast and the flowers bloom. Easter is the great Sunday of the Christian year when the sanctuary is full, the children shine, the women wear their hats, the songs blast with joy, and the gospel takes a victory lap. Now, on other Sundays of the year, I, I preach some little corner of the big story of God's love in Christ. What does Daniel in the lion's den have to teach us about the life of faith? Or, or you, you remember two weeks ago, I, I had a teaching sermon about the role of the Holy Spirit. Or, or what do Paul's words to the church in Corinth have to say to the gathered community of 2020? You, you, you see, most Sundays, I just, I just pull off and pass around enough for us to share and digest on that one day. I mean, besides, we're coming back next Sunday. I, I believe in the long arc of Christian discipleship. We, we hear one story at a time. We bend our lives toward its claim on us. We, we move along in what Eugene Patterson calls a long faithfulness in the same direction. But not at Easter. <laughs> we don't nibble at Easter. On Easter Sunday, we have the feast. On Easter, we shout and dance and delight in the victory of the empty tomb, the promises of abundant and everlasting life, the freedom from oppression, the break from fear, the release from captivity. As the classic rock movie declares, we turn the volume up to 11. <laughs> so, yeah, this feels weird. It's Resurrection Sunday, and I'm in an empty sanctuary. There are no trumpets. There are a few video wires. But there are no lilies and hats, no little girls in crinoline. And the question that's been staying with me for weeks is, how do you celebrate the empty tomb in an empty room? Well, before I go there, I want to make an announcement. This year there will be two Easter celebrations. Today we will celebrate the empty tomb as the church scattered. From wherever you are viewing this broadcast, we will declare the victory in our living rooms and at our kitchen tables. 
But when this stay in place order is lifted and we're able to come back into this sanctuary, we will have Easter again. On that day, whenever it happens to land on the calendar, we'll all show up in our new pastel blouses and ties and the orchestra will bring their trumpets and we'll pack this place out and we will have the Easter celebration all over again. I'll preach an Easter sermon. We will sing the songs of the resurrection. But for today, for today, how do we celebrate the empty tomb in an empty room? As it turns out, it's been a wonderful discipline for me to reread this most familiar story through the lens of our current stay-at-home situation. Uh, I saw new things, simpler things. M- most Easter Sundays, the challenge is how, how big can we play? How grand can we reach? How do we even approach the size of the victory? How do we get unbridled energy into the room? But when I reread the story, I was stuck with how how quiet, how, how small the cast, how different the activity level in the text from our current Easter rituals. There are no trumpets in the story. There's a there's a foot race. There are no Easter lilies in the story. There's a rock. There are no Paz eggs kits or pastels or hats or crinolines. It's just a backdrop of brown and sand and dust and tears and one folded white burial linen. So this year, rather than focus on the trumpet and the organ volume, let's try to cozy up, hear the story in its original acoustic version. The story starts in the dark. It doesn't start in the bright sunshine of Easter morning. While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. You know how John uses light and dark in the gospel. I mean, sure, it was dark because it was early in the morning and the sun hadn't come up. But in John's gospel, always, you know, a world with no light is a world without Christ. He is risen, but the world is still dark because there has not yet been an encounter with the risen one. The story starts in darkness, and before Mary is able to tell the disciples in the last verse of the story, they're all of six characters in the whole thing. Mary, Peter, the beloved disciple, two angels, and Jesus, although he's mistaken for a seventh character, the gardener. Do you see the contrast Across the color palette of stone and bruise, we have a quiet foot race, folded linens, a handful of characters, 
in the most important story in all of human history. And one of those small cast is in tears. A total of six. They're not even in the scene at the same time. And excluding the last verse, the most transformative story in all of human history could be acted out on the stage of your high school cafeteria. I love standing in a full room singing with you all, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. But over the years, the trumpet blast might have caused me to miss this kind of raw, humble intimacy. We find it in so many Jesus stories. The king of kings born in a stable. We don't miss it there. Or the co-creator of the universe washing feet. We catch it there. Or even last week when we saw the Messiah come in on a donkey. But here in John's gospel, there is another one of these contrasts. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. God's love has conquered all foes, even death. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. And the most transforming thing to ever happen in human history happened in the Middle East in a borrowed tomb with no memorial, no public service, no body in the rotunda. And the next morning, a grieving Jewish woman showed up, and then she went and got two friends and told them. It just doesn't seem loud enough. As you sit watching this alone or, or, or maybe with a handful of family members, perhaps it is worth remembering that the gospel did not first change the world. It first changed a life. Mary Magdalene encountered the risen Christ. She told Peter and the beloved disciple, Later, in the final verse of the story, the first preacher of the resurrection, a woman named Mary, went and told the disciples. Over more than 2,000 years, this one day has inspired the great art of the world, stirred Handel to write Messiah, motivated kings to change the laws, informed how we date human history. But before it was a grand story that changed the world, it was first a life-changing story to one life at a time. And here's what I hope we don't miss. It is still true that this story transforms one life at a time. If you are a Christ follower today, even if you came to that decision in an auditorium filled in an evangelistic crusade in a stadium, the love of God in Christ came to you singularly.
in the Easter account, Mary thought she was talking to the gardener, and she challenges him about what he's done with the body. She says, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And that's when Jesus calls her by name, Mary. One person encountered the risen Lord, and he called her by name. And the only way our lives are transformed by the resurrection is when we have a singular encounter with the risen Christ. Mary told two people. Then she went back to Jerusalem. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. We have learned an important lesson in the last weeks about the power of spread. Mary told the disciples, and they spread the word. And those individuals, individuals, had their lives changed by the love of God in Christ. And and then they told somebody else, I have seen the Lord And it spread again. And the only power in the universe that is big enough to conquer fear is the spread of love. The Christian church has a unique moment right now that we must not squander just because we happen to be indoors. We know that perfect love casts out fear. The message of the empty tomb is the message that a trembling culture is so ready to hear. And the message of good news is not best proclaimed in an auditorium. It is even not best proclaimed in this sanctuary. Our opportunity is that the good news of resurrection has always been best passed along one person to one person. One person who has encountered the risen Christ telling some other person, I have seen the Lord. You have a cell phone, you have a social media account. How might you be spreading the word when the culture needs this so badly, something so sure, more confident, than the stock market. The tomb is empty. Love wins. Fear is overcome. Death is conquered. You are loved. God loved the world, but also God's love has made its claim on you. The story that started in darkness ends in full sunshine. And the only way this story gets passed on is somebody who has encountered the risen Christ tells somebody else, I have seen the Lord. How will we share that good news this week? Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, Come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.